Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Photographic Collective Podcast. My name's Jared. I'm here with my partner in crime, Miles Witt Boyer. It's me. And we got an awesome guest today. We are talking to you about Tyler Rye. Miles, give us a little preview of what these people are about to hear. Guys, Tyler is my favorite photographer. I tell him during this podcast, I wish you guys could see him blush. I tell him that he's my favorite couples photographer in the world. But when I say that, I'm not kidding. He, he's genuinely, he's, he's, he's my number one. He's my guy. He's awesome. So I'm excited for you guys to hear why. Because his stories, how many, how many countries, Jared, does he say he's visited? I think he's, he throws out the number of 30 different countries he's shot insane. in. It is so insane. So let's click over. Let's let you guys listen to this dude who has, who has literally traversed the globe uh, with a camera in his hand. It's a pretty cool story. Like a quick point to point out, Tyler, you you live 45 minutes from where most destination photographers are trying to get to, and you're you're leaving all the time. There's a problem. I don't know if you know. We're gonna fix this. It's it's the grass is always greener syndrome. I mean, I was when I first got into weddings, I was shooting in Zion like twice a week, sometimes more, and so I almost got. It's sad, but you, I kind of got sick of it, and so then I started marketing uh, for other locations and then fast forward and now i'm traveling so much that it's becoming a problem and now i'm marketing back to zion so dude it's kind of come full circle i love it okay hey let's let's pull back though just because evidently we're actually recording now and not just small talking so no i love this this is good (laughs) stuff man so tyler like tell us for for somebody that that may not know who you are like i mean you just touched on it a little bit but like i mean you're you are constantly going so like what what is it that you do yeah right so i do destination elopements mostly sometimes adventure sessions and engagements but the 90% of what i do is destination elopements and that can be inside the us it can be out of the country um but usually it's somewhere kind of sketchy that I question what we're doing. Um, but I do a lot of national parks in the U S and then, um, my, probably the place I go to the most is Iceland. I did five trips there last year. Wow. Yeah. It gets a little crazy. Okay. Hey, well, for, for those who don't know what the heck is an adventure session? Yeah. What does that look like? Basically, uh, you hike out to something, a cool location and, t- and take your engagement pictures or in Utah, it's a big thing. They call them bridles. Uh, Cause a lot of the, yeah. a lot of the weddings here are inside temples and you can't photograph that. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. Um, the bride and groom will pick a day, usually a few months before their wedding. And you kind of like engagements, you hike out there, but they're in their wedding yeah. outfits and you just take pictures. Okay. Are you, are you picking these locations or are they like Tyler, we really want to go to this sketchy place and then you take them yeah we should probably not call my location sketchy huh <laughs> that's on me I'll, I'll bleep it Just out. Say, hey yeah. if you want to put your life in your land in your own hands please contact tyler rye yeah. for there's been a couple of times when i was genuinely worried about their safety but in general i usually like walk out to the spot first and i'm like okay is this safe okay. for somebody to stand on but i had a mom once that she kept trying to adjust the dress and it was out at Yosemite and she kept getting so close to the edge. And I was just like, stop. I was like, this is my career's over. She's going to fall off. No, this is fantastic. Cause you pay, you said sketchy like heights yeah. and I'm not afraid of heights at all. So that doesn't bother me. My mind immediately went to like the, the uh, sessions that you've done in like Jordan. Oh, where I'm like, it, you're, I'm thinking sketchy as in like ransom letter. Okay, sketchy. Like so like, scary fortunately to we to. have a different definition <laughs> of there. There is that too. There's definitely places I won't go. Like I've had inquiries for, Pakistan and you know countries over in the Middle East where it's just crazy and I wouldn't feel safe having a bride travel to. It's worse right now, but um, sidetracked. Uh, we were talking about adventure sessions <laughs> and we went from there. But um, yeah, those are basically just a session where you do it before the wedding, go somewhere really cool and uh, have your pictures done. That way you can have them printed and on display at your ceremony or reception. Yeah. I love that. What what so like out of that stuff that you do, like what are you like super passionate about? Um, weirdly, I like the colder, 
more rugged locations. Yeah, it's really hard for me to to get excited about beach locations. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> nice. Like uh, I've been to some amazing spots, like Bora Bora. That was out of. It was just amazing. Um, I think it's just when you're working and it's hot, you can only take off so much, and you. I mean, you can't really enjoy it. Like I don't know. Like when you're cold, you can put on more layers and. Somebody else is suffering, but you're comfortable. <laughs> I feel so bad for the bride. Oh, story yeah. of our lives. This yeah. is going to be the best conversation, dude. I Okay, so listeners, y'all, we, we just threw you in the deep end with us. So the backstory here, Tyler and I have been writing back and forth. It just I'm in friends. We've been friends for, what, two, three years now, probably. Maybe a little bit longer than that, um, because we chatted before you even really made the jump into the Fujifilm uh, pool. Um, you were still shooting that, uh, that big ugly C. I can't remember what the name of that company is. Um, but man, I, I just, I wanted to have you on here and I have wanted to have you on here since the beginning of this podcast to have conversations with you about like the fact that the whole world right now is blowing up about this, these, these destination like elopement style weddings. And there's photographers all over the country that are like, niching down they're losing their mind about how like this is their dream but dude you've been living this dream since before it was popular and so like i want to i want to get into that with you i want to hear like some stories so, so let's let's start just the easy stuff first how many countries have you shot in um i was kind of looking that up and this is almost it's unfair because some of them are repeats but i think i've been to just just around 30 but um, a lot of it is people see a country and they want to go there. So Iceland, I'm coming up on, I think I'll hit 20 times going there by the end of this year. Um, so, I mean, there's, I have seen a lot of countries and I've gone all over, but there's definitely some that I've gone to a bunch, like Iceland and Ireland and Scotland, um, Italy, I've been to a bunch. Um, so I've definitely seen a lot, but there, there has been a lot of repeats. I remember... I was actually at an airport waiting to get on a plane and there were these two girls from Dubai and they're like, oh, you do travel? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, so do we. We've been to over a hundred countries. I'm like, oh, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, you do this for a living? And But they were like stewardess or something. They jumped around, but anyway, they've gone all over. 30, that's a lot. That's crazy. You've seen a lot of things. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. A lot of uh, different cultures for sure. So is, is there a favorite in there? I know that's a, that's a question. I mean, it's, I know we're still so much on the surface. I want to sure. go so deep here, but like we got to cover, we got to cover the, the shallow stuff first. So I think for photography, uh, I would say Iceland and there's a few big reasons. One, I like the, the colors that you get in your pictures. Um, cause you don't run into any like vibrant, loud colors. So your focus is really on your couple and what you can do creatively with them and then I like the fact that yes it's popular but you can still like you can get on a road and be out in the middle of nowhere and not see anybody for hours versus you know like the Dolomites in Italy for example they're amazing but they're also Italy has done an amazing job of making everything accessible so I mean there's lifts everywhere roads that go almost to the top so you can like get by yourself but it's a lot harder you know so so I'm looking at like the way their pictures are going to turn out as far as the colors. And then also logistically, am I going to have to edit out 50 people? You know? Man, you're so right. I, I, I'll, you're going to laugh at this. My first trip to, uh, to Banff for an elopement, I had this like starry eyes about like, we're going to go to Lake Louise at sunrise and it's going to be just us and the moose. And I didn't realize that it would be us and the moose and Plus. like seven busloads of tourists <laughs> all fighting for the same Dang shot it. that Gabe McClintock made famous that I was convinced I was going to outshoot. Dude, yeah, you're, it's, a, it's a real world that you're in right now. Okay, so, so Iceland being the favorite, um, rattle off a few others for us. Because, okay, you've touched on all the ones that like everybody knows. Right, like everybody that is in the elopement market is like, yeah, get me the heck to the Dolomites. Okay, cool, got that. But you've also done some ones. I'm just gonna let you go because you've done you've done some places that like have blown my mind. So go ahead. I think uh, Faroe Islands that comes to mind. Um, it's just uh, 
it's kind of kind of like Iceland as far as the landscapes and climate, but it's more like massive islands shooting out of the ocean and cliffs and really small little villages. Um, you do get some tourists, but it's not like it's not as popular as Iceland for some reason. But I love the Faroe Islands. Um, shoot, another one. There's places that I've wanted to go that I, I maybe yeah. haven't gone yet. Yeah. Um, like where? Um, of course, I put myself on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, on my map of places I want to go, I really want to go to China, uh, which okay. might sound weird, but I mean, they yeah. have so many amazing locations. Um, Peru, I've never gone to Peru. Bolivia. Um, I think maybe top of my list is Antarctica. To, okay. That sounds crazy. That would but be something. That would be, if I shot there, I would have shot on every continent, which would be amazing. Okay. We heard Shout it. Shout out Let's to all our flat earth listeners. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Tyler's going to get a picture over the ice wall. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it's kind of crazy to get out there though. So that you'd have to have somebody that was okay with freezing and like, yeah, have a, have a bigger budget for sure. Now we shot a, uh, we shot a wedding last year for a couple that met on a, on a research team really? in ice or in Antarctica. And that was That's like cool. what my mind immediately went to. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> now I have people that are connected. That's crazy. Tyler, it makes me think like, I want to know like logistically, like how your mind works in going to these places. Like you're obviously not going and like scouting it out first to be like, this is a good spot. Let's go here. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that work when they're like, we're going to go here. You just show up and take what you're given? Uh, in some ways you have to. I used to, when I, when I first started doing destinations, I would travel there first and spend a day, a day or two trying to scout it out. But um, now, you know, I have three kids and it's just, it's, I can't justify being gone longer than I need to. So I spend a lot of time location scouting online. So, I mean, Google's amazing. You have people that Either the, I mean, you, if you go to Google Maps, they'll have like a little pin where they've done like the whole oh, okay. 360 view of the spot. And so th- those are huge because I can scout out like 10 spots and get a good idea of what they look like. And then I can share those with the couple and be like, hey, these these four spots are close together. We could hit all these. And then the, in the afternoon, we could go to these spots, you know, you know whatever it might be. But, but uh, as far as like, I mean, it might look good on Google Maps, and then you get there, and you're like, "Oh, this <laughs> <You're> like what? <laughs> this doesn't yeah. look as good as I thought." Um, but um, usually, you get a really good idea of what a spot can look like thanks to other people. I mean, I, other than like, I mean, last year I did my expedition in the Dolomites, and we took helicopters, and like the guys, they couldn't give me a an exact spot of where we're going to go. They're like, and, it's, and so I'm like, okay, so we'll just fly around and if I see something cool we can land there and he's like well I mean we'll see I mean like like it depends on the mountain range if it's you got all these people with you yeah yeah Yeah. so I'm like haven't seen the spot have you know eight photographers a videographer the couple so you're like in two helicopters and we're just cruising around and and I was like what about this spot and he's like yeah let's see do you feel like you feel like you thrive like in that kind of scenario I feel like Miles thrives in that kind of scenario of like not really knowing what we're getting into and then just like making it happen do you like thrive in that it's hit or miss I mean it's with a couple I mean it's not as stressful for me but when I have you know eight photographers that have paid a lot of money (laughs) to be there yeah then I feel a little bit of the stress but for sure also I mean you're taking a helicopter into the Dolomites so I mean it's how are you going to go wrong like you just have to land anywhere and it would be okay so I mean as long like I think it's just realizing that it's going to be okay and not overthinking it I think like in any situation as a photographer like if you just take a second you're like okay like we might not be going exactly where I wanted or this is happening or whatever it might be. If you just like breathe a little bit and you're like, Oh yeah, I've been, I've been doing this for a while. I, I- yeah. That's, that's a huge, a huge perspective shift right there. I mean, so you mentioned, you've mentioned the expeditions a couple of times. Um, I know what that is, but for, for the, the listeners, what, what is that? Yeah. Um, so I started doing workshops for wedding photographers. I think my first one was, 2015 and that was back when I was shooting a lot of traditional weddings as well and so the workshops were 
more about like we would have a styled table and a couple and the cake and the cards and all that, you know, like everything you would have. I mean, not everything, but stuff you'd have at a traditional wedding and I would teach how I would shoot it and work with clients and stuff. And then just the more I got into elopements and destination stuff, I just, it wasn't, the workshops didn't really fit what I was wanting to do. Um, And so I was talking to my wife and I was like, man, it would be really cool to do a workshop that was more about elopements and then maybe had like in a, just something fun we do. And so I was was like, well, where do I want to go? And I was like, well, I've never been to New Zealand. So I I started looking to, I was like, oh, New Zealand looks awesome. And so then I was like, well, I'm just going to do elopements. There won't be any style table, no cakes, no decor. You know, it's not like rocket science to shoot a lot of that stuff. And so I was Mm -hmm. just like, let's, let's make an adventure, show people how I actually shoot with couples, maybe in a spot I've never been to, or, you know, so that's where it kind of came from. And so what the expeditions are, uh, it's basically an elopement photographer workshop where I take people to cool destinations and show them how I would work with couples. And so, yeah, they, you can build up your portfolio, kind of get your foot in the door, see what it's like. Um, but I wouldn't say they're designed to build someone's portfolio. I think like, yeah, you'll get some cool shots, but I don't want people like, like this is, I don't like, you know what I mean? Like you see a lot of people doing styled shoots and that becomes their whole website and it's kind of like, well, not, yeah. Right. So like the idea is to, yeah, the idea is to teach people like my process, my workflow, how to do it. And then hopefully they'll go out and do their own, um, kind of recreate their own thing. Yeah. Expeditions because, uh, I, at the time nobody was doing anything like it. Um, everyone was still doing the traditional workshops. And so I wanted to sound like, I don't know, like more exciting. We're going out somewhere, you know, this is a unique experience, maybe a little bit more intense than what you're used to doing at a workshop. So hopefully it doesn't confuse too many people and they're just like, I don't know what this is, so I'm not going (laughs) to. Well, they're always filled up, so I wouldn't worry about it, even if it is. I mean, I've told you this, like it's, I don't have many at this point in my career. I don't have many bucket lists left. Um, like now it's just about serving the people, just having fun and shooting stuff that I think I'm inspired by. But going on an expedition with you is, is one of my like, I mean, that's, that's one of my big things I want to go do. And we talk about it every year and I'm like, man, I can't do that date. I can't do it that day. But, but, uh, okay. So I guess the reason I'm curious about that, um, is because, I, I know so many photographers and a lot of photographers in this space that are doing kind of remarkable stuff. I mean, their work is beautiful, but the way that you shoot is so stylistic. Like it, it is so beautifully shot. I, um, sidebar here. I, I laugh a little bit as, as I even think through this. Our last guest was, uh, was Jonas Peterson. And we were talking with Jonas about AI and how he's kind of made this jump into AI. And I was chuckling, thinking about then, chatting with you because I remember you already know where I'm going. I, I remember the, uh, the, there was a comment on one of your Instagram posts where a guy would like tore you apart. Cause he's like, these aren't real photos. You can't use AI to like build your portfolio. You're a liar. You're a fraud. And you were like, bro, yeah, these are, no, that. these are actual photos. <laughs> like I took this picture. <laughs> I think if that doesn't say how, how remarkable I, I remember, I think your, I think your immediate answer was just like, that's called wind. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't know what to think. I couldn't, I was shocked that he was even sending me that message. Well, he posted it on his stories and, and I, th- I saw it because I was tagged and I was like, what is this? Is this a compliment or <laughs> like, is on, he legitimately man. like saying this sucks? I, I was, it was bizarre. <laughs> well, like, I, my point is like, y'all, the, the people that, that are, that are tuning in that don't know your work, Tyler, like click over and see this stuff because it is, <laughs> thank you. It's so beautifully understated. I mean, your editing is about as simple as it gets. I've now edited yeah. your raw files, right? Like we did as a part yeah. of the um, the Miles Whip Boyer preset launch. We I edited some of your raw files, and you send me over these files to edit that literally looked like your finished photos. And I was I was chuckling because I was like, dude, Tyler doesn't even edit. Like he's it is cheating all the way around. There's but definitely editing you, involved. Well, sure, but how have you built this process for yourself? 
so intentionally, all compliments aside, how have you built this process mm-hmm. for yourself where you're paid to travel in to remarkable places with beautiful clients to explore at the right times to use the gear that you choose to, you can afford the gear that you choose to shoot and capture it all so so authentically, but still so creatively that on the back end, there's no gimmicks. I know that's a, that's a loaded question, but you've removed the friction that most you've, well, you've removed the friction that most photographers die inside. And like, how did that happen? Uh, like most photographers, when you get started, you're looking at other people's work and you're buying preset, nothing against presets. Your presets are great. But um, I remember when I Shut first up. started, I bought, um, several different presets that I like. It was like red leaf or something like that. Does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Red tree yeah. something. Anyway, yeah. so I was buying all these different presets and I just was having the hardest time being consistent with my editing. And then uh, it just kind of clicked that I should stop trying to use all the presets. And from there, I just, I wanted my pictures to look as close to reality as they could, but also, I mean, artistic. Like you don't want to just be blah right so from there i started editing to where they looked natural but also had a little bit of i I don't like the fine art but like maybe film kind of a look and i did shoot film for a while and i think that contributes to some of my editing style because if you look at film i mean photographers that use film it's kind of like timeless art you know they don't their editing style doesn't change a whole lot um and so I was just looking for something that in 20 years, if you looked back, it wouldn't be a fad, like the way you're editing, you know, it wouldn't be, you'd, you'd still be okay hanging it on the wall, regardless of when it was taken. And it, my, my editing has changed a little bit over the last few years, just in subtle ways to where it's not as, like, I look back at some of them, I'm like, well, that's a little too processed. But um, in general, I, I, yeah, you're right. I don't do a whole lot, like. I try and get it as right in camera as I can. What what cameras are you shooting, Tyler? Um, for the last year and a half, I was doing two GFX 100s, so the Fujifilm, uh-huh. and then yes, the new one too. just the new one just came out, and it's like yes, yes the yes, camera I've been waiting for since I switched to the, the Fuji. So uh-huh. so much better. Okay. So I have one GFX 100s, and then I have a 102. Okay, nice. Mm-hmm. And then what focal lengths? Like, what are what are, was like your go to go to focal um, lengths? Yeah, so this always throws people off, especially at the workshops, because the GFX yeah. they're they're they call a medium format. I mean, they're not quite as big as a an actual medium format, but either way, full frame is smaller. So anyway, you can cut this so where it makes sense. But <laughs> <laughs> um, if I was shooting full frame, we'll just say that I would shoot with a fifty a 24 and a 70 to 200. And I think those three lenses are all you need. And primarily most of my stuff is shot on a 50. So now that I'm using the GFX system, I was shooting with an 80 millimeter, a 30 and the 100 to 200, but they just came out with the 55, um, which is like basically like a 50, like it's like the portrait lens I've always wanted. So yeah, that's, that's my go-to the 55 on the 102 is like 90% of my work. And then the 100 S with the 30 and then I kind of switch between those. But typically I have the 55 and the 30, um, I shoot with two cameras. So, Hey guys, interrupting the podcast super quick to uh, talk to you guys about how we organize this chaos. So every year we bring on somewhere between 25 and 35 new wedding couples, which means we have a lot of finances and a lot of communication and a lot of contracts to juggle. HoneyBook is the way that we do that. It's the way that we communicate with everybody and keep on top of the tasks. It's also the way that we're able to manage all of the finances for our business and make sure that we're profitable and tracking all of those important statistics. If you'd like more information on switching over to HoneyBook or you just like a, uh, a personal link to where you can receive a, a little bit of a discount for signing up, just head over to HoneyBook.com slash Miles Boyer for more information. Again, that's HoneyBook.com slash Miles Boyer. Yeah, man, I just got the 55 in and it is so nice. I mean, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. 
it's sort of unbelievable the fall off. Anyway, we can mm-hmm. get really nerdy about that. Um, <laughs> okay, so so walk us here into into your your booking process a little bit because I at one point you and I had this really interesting conversation. I can't remember which elopement it was, but I was planning one. Uh, where it was, it was going to be very expensive. I, I mean, I wish I could remember now, but it was going to be very expensive. Getting there and the whole shooting process, the hotels, everything was just going to be super pricey. And I remember writing you and being like, dude, how do you make any money at this? Because like you just, I mean, you either have to have clients with just bottomless pockets or you've got to figure out a way to spread this out. And I'll never forget your advice, which I thought was brilliant when you said like, you know, like book it and then book around it essentially. Um, so safe place here. Photographers aren't listening. I promise. What is, what's your process a little bit for, for the business of being an elopement photographer? Cause this is so much more for you than just like, let's drive down to the salt flats for an afternoon. So yeah, usually, usually once I get an elopement booked, let's say it was Iceland. Um, and then I'll start posting about that elopement. Uh, and it doesn't have to be just on Instagram. Uh, if you get inquiries, like, well, for example, Instagram, if somebody books me and then I'll post on Instagram, hey, I'm going to be in Iceland during these dates. These are the days I have open. Uh, contact me if you're interested. And then usually I'll get a few inquiries and I can kind of start filling it up. Or on the flip side, if I get an inquiry, um, sometimes people don't know where they want to go. And I can say, hey, I'm going to be in these spots, these dates it would be a great time to meet me there. Um, sometimes in the past I've offered slight discounts for people that meet me when I'm already traveling. Um, I've kind of, I'm leaning away from that. I just kind of feel guilty for the people that book it first, you know? So I don't know. I might figure out something that works there, but, um, usually it's just, you just have to make people aware of where you're going to be. And I don't think just having travel like on your website, like like that's great to have it posted on your website. Like I'm traveling to these dates this year, which can help you get some more bookings. But I think uh, it's just continually posting like, Hey, I'm going to be here. Going to be here. Who wants to meet me here? <laughs> and I, I, it feels weird on social media because you feel like you're spamming people. But in reality, I would say most of my followers don't even see what I'm posting now, you know, so I don't feel bad like retargeting and, but you just have to kind of keep pushing it. And then, yeah, I try and fill each trip as much as I can to make it more worth the time, especially with flights are getting more expensive and everything's kind of up right now. But yeah, I was, that's such I was a great angle to take on it. Yeah, no, keep going. Keep going. I, I love this. Go ahead. No, yeah, I think um, one of the things I did early on, I would get an inquiry and I had a, it was almost like a magazine, kind of a PDF that I would send out. I'd say, here's my pricings pricing for you know normal weddings or whatever and then this is my pricing for an elopement or if you don't know where you want to go i'm going to be here so the more you can educate your clients um then they have more options i I think a lot of people miss out on that opportunity especially uh those that are trying to get into destinations because most people haven't shot there before yeah no that's a that's a really good segue because I feel like we have a handful of people in the photo co group who mm-hmm. like want to take this leap like they want to get out it's kind of your story of like I did traditional mm-hmm. weddings and now I'm doing destination elopements can you talk can you speak to that like what was the Tyler rise story of moving from traditional weddings to adventure sessions mm-hmm. and elopements yeah. on mountaintops yeah I think a lot of that is you you book what you post so if you're like basically posting is you're promoting, this is like my work, you know, whether it's on social media or your website. So um, I just realized I was just booking more and more of the same stuff that I didn't want to shoot. And so I decided uh, I was just going to go create my own content of the things that I wanted to shoot. I wasn't like turning down work. Like if I was getting wedding inquiries, I'd still shoot those. But if I did shoot a traditional wedding, what I would post from that would be portraits of them that looked more outdoorsy kind of more adventurous um so i i niched down and stopped posting things i didn't want to shoot more of um so that was kind of the big start but i think what what most photographers that i've seen from doing my workshops is they don't want to put any skin in the game 
they think that everything should be free and it's kind of kind of bugs me like like uh, you can't expect to just go from shooting traditional weddings to suddenly you're flying around the world shooting destination elopements um so i would recommend uh i would say don't try and get things from vendors for free like if you want to work with a vendor have an idea like this is the shoot i want to do this is the look i'm going for like if it's a gown vendor like hey do you have a rental program or do you collaborate uh, if they don't like that's great move on to the next one until you find one or even don't go that route just go buy one on etsy or asos or lulus lulus, lulus? i think anyway you can buy a cheap gown for 100 bucks and shoot with it until it falls apart i i did that with one i one of my most popular shoots this year was a gown that i paid a hundred dollars for shot with it several times and the last shoot i did in Iceland, it got wet and we couldn't unzip it. And so we had to like, we just ripped it, Cut it off. like literally ripped it off of her and threw nice. it away. But it was, it was a hundred dollars and it served yeah. me like so well. I just, a good investment. yeah, I just put some money into it. I mean, pay for models. Don't, if you can't find a couple, pay somebody like invest five, $600 and go do a shoot, create kind of, you know, what you want to be shooting. Um, and then be honest about it. Like, I just put together this style development. This is like what I'm hoping to shoot more of. I, one of my biggest pet peeves is you'll see photographers go to workshops, take like really pretty pictures, but then they'll try and make it sound like it was a paid client. And like, this is like their art that they're creating, which, yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, there's a, a fine line of, I'm going to go create portfolio work, but being honest about it and, Mm, no, it's good. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just thinking through, like, it's making me think about how, like, elopement photography or adventure sessions, like, it's so, like, romantic. Like, looking at it from this perspective and seeing all your work, it's like, ah, like, yes, I'd much rather be doing <laughs> this stuff. So, can you can you tell us the other side of it? Like, what is the not awesome about hmm. Being a destination, you sure I mean, you want to go down three, that road? Kids. Yeah, I want <laughs> to go down. Go. That, I, mean, I, I want to know what what is the hard for for Tyler? Like, is it? I know it's going to be like, how do you balance travel and having mm-hmm. three kids and a wife that you love? Like, what yeah. does that look like? Food yeah, poisoning I, stories, please. Yeah, <laughs> there are <laughs> yeah. food poisoning stories. Okay. Um, this year was pretty rough. Um, I mean, we, not the worst year. Like, I'd say like three or four years ago was pretty bad. I've, we've kind of gotten into a good routine, but this year we just built a house. And so in my head, I'm like, okay, I got a book. I got to make more money so we can afford the house or whatever. So October, I was gone more than I was home. I think I was home maybe like 10 days total out of the month. It was just, it was outrageous. Um, and so like the reality of having a family and having to travel is really hard. Like, for like in October, I was gone, came home. I was home for like three days and then have to leave again. So my family gets into this routine of not having me. I get home trying to parent, trying to adjust time zones. And always in the back of your head, there's the 50 sessions that you need to edit, but you're leaving again. <laughs> like I hate editing on a plane because I just, I never like the pictures that I edit. And so I end up having to re-edit them. And so it's just, it really is hard. So one thing that we did was my wife, she's like, okay, when you travel, it doesn't matter when you get home, you're taking the next day off. And so like this, it's kind of, it's hard, like, especially as a photographer, because you're like, Oh, I have so many things I have to do. But then you have to realize, okay, I was gone for a week and I'm going to be gone for a week. Like I can take a day. Um, but yeah, definitely the hardest thing for me is traveling and being away from your family. Just knowing that you're going to have to go, be in the airport for six hours and then on a plane for seven hours and be surrounded by people that you don't know. And nobody wants like, I don't know. It's just, it can be lonely. I think for certain people it would be hard. Um, I do. Okay. I like to listen to audiobooks and uh-huh. so I, I listen to things, yeah. but, um, but the, the truth is, yeah, you're alone by yourself and adjusting the time zones can be brutal especially the older I get, I'm like, why, why am I do so you, tired? Do you always shoot by yourself? Do you ever shoot with anybody else? Um, usually, yeah, I'm by myself. Sometimes um, 
I have a few guys that'll come and second shoot with me sometimes. And then yeah. I try and I try and get most of my couples to do video as well. Cause I have a few video oh, cool. I really like working with and yeah. it makes it fun when you can have a travel buddy. Yeah. I sure. heard there's this super rad photographer in Arkansas, miles something <laughs> yeah. that was going to yeah. start. Doing yeah. Work. I can't remember. Wants, wants to come. Does, um, do you do video miles? Well, uh, nobody, come nobody has friends to do. Dang it. <laughs> he has friends. Oh, <laughs> I'm so untalented. Yeah, it's a, it's actually, that's an interesting topic because more and more people are wanting kind of like a hybrid shooter, somebody that yeah. will do photo and video, which was one of the reasons I was really excited about the, the 102 is because I finally have a camera that does the pictures I want and I can also take good video. So that's been really cool. Hmm. But kind of having to mix that in has been a little stressful. Yeah, those are Dude. those are Ugh. beasts. Yeah, just the number of things that you have to juggle that most of us uh, that do not. I just I think this is this life that you've chosen is fascinating. And and like Jared touched on, I mean it it kind of feels so glamorous. I think until you start to really double down on it. Um, and uh, man, you you sacrifice a lot. Yeah. Well, I've been to countries that have like amazing uh, ocean, like amazing oceans and views, and I'm like I'm. I'm not leaving my hotel. Like I have stuff to do. <laughs> so, I mean, I've been to Hawaii several times and I, I didn't even get in the ocean. I was like, Oh yeah, there's the ocean. Cool. I'm going to go do my work, whatever. So it's like, and I, it's weird. I feel guilty. Like I have this guilt, like, because I'm going to these amazing places that some people will never see in their life. And I'm like, I don't want to say that, like, I obviously I enjoy what I do and I get to see really cool places, but there is the side of you that, like, okay, for example, Iceland, I've been there almost 20 times. And so now it's like, I feel guilty that I don't want to go out and explore. And there's a part of me that just wants to stay in my hotel and watch a movie or edit or whatever it is. And like, so there's like this guilt. And I'm like, oh, I really should. Like, I almost didn't go to the volcano last time I was in Iceland. It was my last day. And I was like, oh, I just, I don't, I'm just going to sit here in my hotel. And I, I, te I texted some of my friends and they're like, yeah, you should go. I'm like, okay, I'll go. Yeah, <laughs> and so I get out there and That's it's amazing. Awesome. I fly over the, fly the drone over the, but I mean, it's just something that you wouldn't think would happen to you because you're going to all these places, but it does wear on you, the travel. Yeah. Uh, so it, it is a real thing. Another thing is I'm a, don't tell, uh, don't let my wife listen to this, but I can be a she picky won't. eater. Definitely. Yeah, I can be a, a bit of a picky eater. So going to these different countries can be hard for me. So I, the secret is you stuff your boots full of granola bars when you pack them. So you fill them up with granola bars or whatever kind of snack you like. So that way, if you can't find food you'd like in this new country, you can at least have some granola bars. That's, that's a must. You know what I do when we travel <laughs> is I just eat all of Jared's snacks because Jared oh. packs so many snacks. I thought you were going to say yeah. you try everything. <clears throat> no, definitely not. I just eat all Jared's snacks, except for the sugar-free gummy bears. That was a really bad yeah, decision. Yeah, those were bad. Thanks, Jared. Those were that's a I, bad reaction. I, I will say, my last trip, I did try, um, I was in Kenya. It was my first time to Kenya. And I tried, uh, what was it, crocodile, ostrich. Um, There's some other weird meat. Anyway, I tried, I my wife was impressed. She's like, wow, you tried new foods. That, that was an eye-opening trip. Like not because of the food. The crocodile did. The other, that's awesome. Yeah, there's not so much. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. Okay, so hey, I'm going to rattle off as we kind of on the back end of this thing. Sure. But I'm going to rattle off countries. Okay. I just want to hear like a fun memory okay. from, from, I mean, like, just shoot me with it. Don't overthink it, okay? Um, Jordan. Uh, we went uh, overnight camping. It was kind of like glamping, but we, I booked this for my couple. They had their ceremony in front of Petra, you know, that, the big sandstone um, temple looking thing. Uh, so we did their elopement there. And then the next day we went to Wadi Rum. And it was funny because I'd been emailing this guy that lived in the village. He was like a tour guide. Okay. And yeah. I would email him and then he would stop answering. Uh, like email him, email him, nothing. And so I'd switch emails and then he would respond. So I had to make up like five emails just to coordinate this because what? he would stop responding to them, but he would always respond. Anyway, so I was kind of like nervous because 
I mean, I'm in Jordan. I don't know. This guy's been kind of sketchy with the emails. But we go there. We meet him. He sits us down to like have tea in his house. And then he's like, okay, we're going to go. And we get into like this safari beat up truck thing. And we just drive into the Sahara or the Wadi Rum Desert for about two hours just with this random stranger. And uh, finally we stop. And he's like, okay, here's the camels. And there's some guy like, herding camels in the middle of nowhere. So we shoot with camels. It was amazing. Then he took us to these tents and they had this big pit and they put food in Dutch ovens and fire and then they buried it, cooked it for like an hour and then they uncovered yeah. it and we had dinner. So it was like, it was really amazing, but I was like, this is where we die. Like this guy's just take us out in, the, uh, out in the middle of nowhere. Hey y'all, I'm going to interrupt this, uh, this fascinating interview for just a hot second. So don't fast forward beyond this. I promise it'll be worth your while to listen to it. Hey, I know so much of our industry is just hyper frustrated with the way their color looks straight out of camera. I don't know if you're like me, but buying and searching and trying to create my own presets over the course of the last 10 years has been one of the biggest headaches because I see all these new trends and all these new ideas. And listen, I have a hard time making up my mind. It's the single biggest reason why over the course of seven months, I sat down with both Jared as well as our buddy Greg Peterson with G Presets to create the essential pack, the abide preset pack by Miles with Boyer Presets. You know, it's for sale now. It's a mix of color and and black and white presets as well as trigger word here AI tools that are made to just streamline your workflow and your process and create a timeless life-filled look to your work hey for more information on that just click over to gpresets.com slash product slash abide presets that's gpresets.com slash product slash abide presets or of course just dm me at miles with boyer on instagram and i will set you up with the info uh i mean the only reason i asked that one first tyler is because those were the photos the photos that you that you shot in petra were the very first photos i saw of yours and it was um one it was the easiest account i've ever followed i mean it was like instant for me but two it was the reason i have said i don't know how many times i have told said this on the record, you are my favorite photographer that, um, that, that shoots couples. You're my favorite couples photographer. No in the pressure. Dude, I've had a few people favorite. on here. <laughs> yes. Well, you're my favorite Street that shoots out. me, Jared. It's different. You're my favorite accountant. Uh, anyway. Okay. So, so, okay. We've got, we've got Jordan. How about, um, uh, pick, pick a favorite country in South America. Yeah. Patagonia. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell tell me about Patagonia. Uh, when I I had so I stepped in for another photographer. The back the backstory of that is I was supposed to go to Iceland. I got COVID. I couldn't go. A week later, another photographer he calls me. He's like, "Hey, I'm supposed to go to Argentina. I got COVID. I can't go." And so I went for him. So I was stepping into an elopement that I hadn't done any planning, no research. Oh, wow. He's like, "This is where we're shooting." So I was like, "Okay, cool." So I you know, book flights. I go down there. Hadn't I? Had, didn't do any research on the country. And so when I'm getting my rental car. The guy's like, yeah, make sure you watch out for ostriches. And sometimes there's armadillos on the road. And I'm like, wait, ostriches. <laughs> and it, they, they're actually more like emus. They're like not full yeah, ostriches, yeah. but he's like, yeah, they're like running around all over the place. And it was true. Like I started driving and then I see like a whole flock of them. And so I'm like taking pictures <laughs> of that. Like and then Jurassic I look Park. over there. It's like a herd of alpaca just gallivanting around it was like but it, it was amazing but the hike i swear it almost killed me like it was intense it's six miles in six miles out but the last mile is all uphill on your way up to the spot and i had just just recovering from covid and i was like oh. i was dying it was the first time in my whole career that i was like hey can you carry my bag for a little bit like either you either carry that or we're having your elopement right here like i'd I really couldn't go. And we're like trying to get up there before sunrise too. And I was like, this spot looks good. Let's just do it here. It was, it was tough on me. Yeah. But I'm actually doing that same hike in like four weeks or something. But now you're ready. You've been training for it. No. (laughs) Definitely not. (laughs) Wow. That's super cool. Uh, Okay, Jared, your turn. Hit it. Hit him with something, some, some country. Okay, you said that you stay away from like the Middle East, right? Yeah, you I've only like, done pe- you said Jordan, Morocco, 
And those are the Dude, only tell countries me about Morocco. Over there. What was that like? I took my wife, which was fun. Yeah, you did. Uh, yeah, she used she to. Deserves that we, trip. Now we have three kids, so it's a little harder to travel. But she used to pick a country every year and come along with me for one of those. So this one, she did Morocco, and it was a really cool couple. We did. Um, so we were in Marrakesh, and then we. So they had their wedding there. It was actually like a small wedding. Um, anyway, we did that, and then we went down to the Sahara Desert and did glamping. But the fun part of the story is I had to, I had somehow messed up our return flights and we had to be in a city that was like six hours away from where we were. And so they hired us this cab driver and he shows up and it was like right before dinner. And so we had to leave with him and we missed dinner. And he's like, don't worry, I'll take you to my sister-in-law's house. And we're like, okay. <laughs> so we drive for a few hours and then we get to the city and instead of taking us to our hotel, he like starts driving deeper into the city and the houses are just getting like worse and worse and worse. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so he stops and it's just like, like seriously, like you just don't want to be there by yourself with your wife in a, like a country you've never been to. Like, <laughs> and we go into this, this house, you know, whatever. And we meet his extended family. We sit around the living room floor with them. Yeah. And so when you're, you're in Morocco, you're not supposed to drink water unless you know, like it hasn't been opened and it's not like tap water. And so they bring out bottled waters, but, um, they, they had been open and refilled, but it's also very rude to like not eat the food. Anyway. So they, they bring up, <laughs> they had this, I don't remember what kind of meat it was, but my wife, she took a bite and almost threw up. And like, so we, anyway, we do this whole meal, we eat the water and like, we had been doing good the whole trip and not getting sick or whatever. And uh, so we eat with them and then he like wants me to be a pin pal. So he's trying to get my address and I'm like, this is weird. So, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so we're just this random people. I'm like, Oh, this is crazy. And then, so he finally takes us to our hotel. We have to stay the night. And then the next day, he's supposed to take us to the airport. And the next day he takes us, we see the airport. I'm like, great, we're going to the airport. And instead he goes to this parking lot where there's no cars and he gets out and like, these are pictures of my family. <laughs> and at this point we're like feeling sick because we drank the water. And so like, I've been having issues. I'm like, please just, but he's like going through like this flip through portfolio of his family and, and like gives us rocks to take home. And it, we just like got kidnapped by this cabbie. <laughs> And like we couldn't do anything about it. When you find out that he listens to this podcast, oh you're going to feel yeah. horrible. <laughs> I won't feel horrible. He kidnapped us. We had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, we. I was like sick as a dog for the next week I because of that meal, and that oh, was a long story. Gosh. But I'm, I That's left good. out the gross parts. Tyler, what what what's the best way for people to like? What's next for you? Like, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like give us a pitch for what's, what's coming up for you. Yeah. Um, following me on Instagram is probably the spot to see most of the stuff I'm posting. Uh, yeah, I have three expeditions on the books for this year. Uh, the first one's in March, that one's full in Iceland. And then I have one in the Dolomites in June. We're taking, that one will be really fun. We're taking helicopters again back into, I don't know if we'll go to the Somewhere. same spot. Probably not, but he'll, We'll fly around, find some cool spots there. Um, so I have that one, and then I'm planning another one in September back in Iceland. A lot of those are, uh, I think that the Iceland ones are good for any kind of photographer that wants to get into elopements, because there's no hiking. Most of the Iceland, you just, you're in the Defender, you drive to the spot, you jump out and shoot. So if there is hiking, it's pretty minimal. So I, I would say anybody that wants to learn about elopements, those are a good fit. How big are those groups? So 10, 10 people typically. Um, the Dolomites, um, there's only eight because of the size of the helicopters. You can only have a certain amount of people that can go. But I think 10, 10 is kind of the sweet spot where it's not too big, but it's also a big enough group that you can get to know other people. I feel like if the group is too small, it can almost be a little awkward because you feel like on the spot when like if you're, if somebody's trying to ask me a question, there's like, there's not enough people to make you like blend it. I know that seems weird, but it's, mm-hmm. I feel like 10, 10 is the sweet spot. And you, I, I know photographers that are like friends for life after you meet. And that's, yeah. I remember going to some workshops when I was first starting and there's still photographers that I'm really good friends with. 
Yeah, guys. I mean, if you've if you've made it in, we're we're nearly an hour in at this point. But if you've made it in to to this point, uh, hear me out when I say this. I've given this advice actually recently to a handful of people in the Photoco small groups. Um, there's only two really practical pieces of, of knowledge that like, I think the modern photographer really needs to walk away with. One is how to manage their business. And two is how to manage their creativity. And uh, an expedition, the reason it's, it's on my list, Tyler, is because this is, this is an opportunity where I feel like I could just explode with creativity. Like I feel like I just, like, I could just sit back and breathe and allow... Um, the light and the couple and the earth and frankly you to do the heavy lifting so that I could just see like what what creativity is just sitting under the surface when I'm usually operating under stress. So it's pretty cool that you offer that. It's interesting that you would say that because at every single expedition I do, I look through the other photographer's work and I'm like, dang it, that's an amazing shot. Or like, man, I should have taken that shot. Or like, so I'm focused on like, okay, I'm directing the couple. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then you have photo- photographers that are just back here firing away, getting amazing shots. And I'm like, Bro, that's the story right, of my life. New rule. Just, new rule. You I have do. to give me all your pictures. <laughs> oh, so you're in yep. the background. Miles, Miles is setting oh, it yeah. all up and you're getting the video. Yeah. I mean, half the gallery is my photos, but <laughs> literally like, like here because. I am lifting everything. The whole world is spinning slowly around me and these two people. And Jared is taking the good photos. <laughs> what a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty fun. It's awesome. It's a good way to live. Um, Cool. Um, well, Tyler, dude, thank you. I pro- I told you this wasn't going to be scary, man. It took me a year to get you on here. It's it's a mix of uh, me making the the time to do it and not wanting to be awkward on your podcast because it's so good. No, dude, you did great. I think you're going to encourage a lot of people. And I think that'll be really cool. And I'm going to get your address so we can be pin pals. He's a great taxi driver. I can uh, I came from a really small town. I wouldn't consider myself artistic, uh, especially when I first started. So I feel like if I can learn how to do this, I think really, I think it's just about shooting enough and, and practicing and keeping with it. I, I really do think that people can can make it happen if they want to. And that's a that's a cool piece of advice. That's really special. Unless you're, unless you're Miles, then you should probably just stay doing what you're doing. Just stay you, in you don't, you're, you don't want to do what I do. Okay. Great podcast, guys. Thanks, Tyler. You're awesome, man. Thanks for having me.